Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I'm going to be your host, Blake Murphy. You can follow me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7 for all your cards takes. And we'll be talking about a very important game this week. We've got the San Francisco 49ers not going to the Arizona Cardinals Stadium, but actually the Cardinals are playing a home game in Mexico this year. Definitely something that's going to be not just fun, I think, for the international fan base, but also just fun in general, considering the fact that, you know, this is a international Monday night football game. So uh, joining me today, we've got Steph Sanchez over here from the Bully Ball, uh, excuse me, I think it's Bully Ball. It's a little bit, it's harder to say at least, podcast. Is that right? That is correct. How's it going, Blake? It's going good, uh, especially for Cardinals fans who are coming off of a win this past week. Good for, I believe, Niners fans as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just what we've seen from San Francisco, because, because this, this has been, been probably one of the, the – I, I don't think, think it's, it's right, right to, to directly, directly compare, compare, but it reminds, it reminds me, me of when 2019's offseason, there was this Josh Rosen versus Kyler Murray debate, debate. and we kind, we kind of all got to see, see how that ended. ended. It felt like this year, coming into the season, there was the same Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo back and forth. And at the end of the day, Trey at least gets hurt, unfortunately, is out for the season. Had been looking actually pretty sharp running the ball, some great throws. Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, comes in, didn't get as much training camp. But the Niners, at least, have had a couple of games they've played where they just dominated. And a few games where they've lost to teams like the Falcons or Broncos. So... Steph, what have you seen so far from the Niners this year that you would say kind of sums up most of what their season has been? I feel like the first half of the season, I would describe them as volatile. I mean, you just never Mm. know what team is going to show up on the field any given Sunday, right? We've had, you know, certain games where the defense just looks absolutely excellent, especially in the first few games of the season. And then, you have performances like against the Chiefs where, you know, it's it's the Chiefs, so I guess we can give them a pass. But, you know, that that's just one that sticks out in my mind that where they just didn't play to the level that I felt they could have. And, you know, same could be said for the offense. Um, you know, the, uh, we know that this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo has its limitations. It's going to be able to get you some wins, but also, you know, may not be quite enough to 
you know, if it's a shootout or something like that, where you're having to score a lot of points, might not be able to do that for you. Um, And so in those games where the defense wasn't quite as sharp as it should have been, the offense kind of couldn't, um, you know, live up to their expectations to be able to then get the win for the team. So it's really about relying on the defense almost too much. But in these past couple games, uh, I feel pretty good about where the 49ers are at. I feel like they're turning a new leaf. Um, and thanks to the Rams, I mean, you guys might be feeling the same way, right? I, I feel like the Rams are a get right game for everyone at this point. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe you guys are feeling like you could turn a new leaf as well. Yeah, the Cardinals for the context coming in have, they looked absolutely atrocious to begin the season. Uh, they also basically got boat run by the Chiefs. At least I think that's been something that every NFL team, except for for some reason the Colts, has had happened to them. Uh, we've seen at least also the NFC West be very chaotic. I think that a lot of Cardinals fans coming into the season were looking at the schedule saying, all right, if we can split with the Rams, we can split with the Niners. We'll just take out the Seahawks, you know, it'll be easy peasy. Well, they've lost both of those games now and they got their first division win last week. They've had injuries on the offensive line. They had DeAndre Hopkins out for six weeks. And of course their other wide receiver one, Marquise Brown comes in, is on pace for having a great season. He gets hurt on the last play of the game, the game before Hopkins comes back. Uh, Zach Ertz went out for the season this last year. And of course, Colt McCoy steps up last week and gets another NFC West win. And it's one of those weird things, at least, of like, uh-oh, Colt McCoy coming in like Giants fans, 49ers fans, Seahawks fans. It's this strange phenomena that's happened for the most part. But ultimately, Arizona really has struggled offensively. We all thought the offense is going to carry the team with all these weapons, with Kyler Murray. And they've just looked lost for the most part. They finally seem to get a little bit back against teams like the Saints and the Rams. But they also had defensive plays, whether it's interceptions or two pick sixes in a row. I want to talk a little bit, at least just with how the offense, there's been so much that's been made about Kyle Shanahan's rushing attack. So much that's been made about how good the Rams, uh, should be say uh, the Niners were at least against in their get right game against the Rams, just blowing them out of the water. What do you feel like is the case as far as for what Christian McCaffrey brings? We know Eli Mitchell is back and healthy. feels like that the Niners run game is kind of the key to the game is that they can run you out of the arena if they get a lead kind of coming out of that first half for the most part. And the Cardinals are kind of built the same way. They just, they haven't had a lead for more than like, it feels like 20 minutes of this entire season has been the issue in Arizona. Yeah. I I feel like the 49ers definitely prefer to play the game on the ground if they can, but on the other end, you know, a lot of defenses like to really key in on the 49ers Um, run game so if that's not working you know then it's okay what can Jimmy Garoppolo do but yeah I mean I I think obviously the addition of Christian McCaffrey has added uh, a new element to this uh, rushing attack and and really just other aspects of the offense because everything that Christian McCaffrey does it goes way beyond just what he's able to do on the ground I mean we know how effective he is there but you know, we've seen him be an outlet for Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen him be that, uh, you know, uh, check down option for him, which, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo actually before wasn't much of a check down kind of guy. Like he, he wasn't mm. really using his running backs that way, but it seems that 
he just looks a lot more comfortable with having Christian McCaffrey there, knowing that, you know, if all of his reads are, you know, covered, he can throw it to, to McCaffrey. And I would also say it opens things up for other guys um, on the offense because he just warrants so much attention from the defense that it's able to open things up for other guys. It gives them just that little bit of space. Linebacker comes down because Christian McCaffrey's running, you know, a little short route there. And, you know, next thing you know, George Kittle's wide open. And so things like mm. that, like we've already seen that in the last couple weeks that, you know, McCaffrey's been with the team. And it's just amazing how easily and seamlessly he's been integrated into this offense. I mean, we mm. we knew that he would be a great fit with this team and, and with this scheme, but you know, to see it in action, I think has been a whole nother thing um, for us. And yeah, with the addition of Elijah Mitchell, I think, you know, we were a little surprised to see Elijah Mitchell get a few more carries than Christian McCaffrey last week against the Chargers. Um, but I think part of that was just, you know, Chargers game plan. Uh, you know, you can mm. tell they put an extra emphasis on Christian McCaffrey and it didn't seem like they were quite prepared for Elijah Mitchell. Right. So I think that's why yeah. in the second half, we saw a few more carries for Elijah Mitchell and he was able to take advantage of it. And so I think we do, or we will see a one-two punch with those guys, RB1A and RB1B, really. Um, kind of like what they did before with Raheem Moser, um, you know, and it's really to keep those guys fresh and healthy because both of those guys have dealt with injuries and you invested a lot to get Christian McCaffrey. One way to keep him healthy is to kind of, um, you know, spell him in, in, in one of those cases and not get him an overload of, of carries and snaps. For sure. No, I think that the Niners have had one of the better balanced offenses, I think, in the league. If you look, I usually always try to look at like points per game, seeing with passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, kind of where that production comes from. And the Niners have been so balanced that they're top 10 in passing, which would probably surprise some people. But then you think about guys like Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, the Debo Samuels, Brandon Ayuk at least, seemed like he was about to have more of a breakout year. It seems like there's been some breakout games, then other times it just feels like Jimmy takes a sack, and then it's like a spot where you can see that there's you know, maybe a missed opportunity or two. It's kind of that inconsistency Arizona's had as well. Niners are still 15th and rushing. You put those together, you're talking about a top 10 offense this year, but the offense has not been the most impressive part of the team. The Niners' defense this year has been spectacular. This is one of the areas where you can see that you can kind of throw on the Niners a little bit for the most part, and maybe some of that is just... You know, if the Niners get a lead, you're going to be trying to catch up. But they have the number one overall rushing yards per game defense, as far as that is considered, but under 100 rushing yards per game. And the Cardinals really have been unique in that we said when Kyler Murray is in there and runs the ball, the Cardinals usually do pretty well. He's a guy that ran for a ton of yards in the week one of the 2020 season. And basically it was just Kyler's legs and DeAndre Hopkins for however many yards turned out to be the game with likely Colt McCoy seeming to play, and we'll see, well, there still hasn't been a determination. I know the most recent report says they expect he could probably miss another week. Um, maybe the same could be there for Hollywood Brown. The Cardinals have also last week were coming out throwing the ball within under, I think it was under two seconds or so. Colt McCoy is getting the ball out very, very quick, having to make reads. That was against a Rams defense in which Jalen Ramsey just played off of DeAndre Hopkins. Seemed like he didn't want to get bit 
uh, deep. And then they just had one play where I think they threw three straight passes at the Rams cornerback too. <laughs> now, the Niners have lost one of their corners for the season, but this is still a talented secondary overall. But that defensive line is the biggest thing because Arizona's got four new starters on the line and the D-line. Is this the spot where you think the Niners have a clear advantage at being able to not just stop Arizona's rushing attack, but being able to get pressure on the quarterback, whether it is Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy? Yeah, I think the Cardinals are dealing with a lot of injuries, right? And so with that... You know, you get guys who haven't had a lot of snaps maybe with Kyler Murray or even Colt McCoy maybe, um, you know, suddenly getting these first team reps, these starts, and, you know, having to play a larger role. And sometimes, you know, that causes a bit of a, you know, guys not being on the same page and, you know, just miscommunications, things like that. And so that could be part of, you know, what we've seen with the Cardinals. I mean, I think – they obviously have talent, right? <laughs> but it, it's more so you guys have dealt with a lot of injuries in particular to the wide receiver group and, you know, losing Zach Ertz, um, you know, definitely doesn't help. So it's kind of been, you know, a puzzle piece of, of a bunch of different guys. And so I think that's low hanging fruit for the 49ers defense, right? Like, yeah, they, they've been pretty great at uh, defending opposing offenses this season. And I would say in the last few games, like it was actually the, the run game that they were more vulnerable to. Uh, but they've actually mm. made some adjustments there as well. I know when Eric Armstead went out and Javon Kinlaw, two guys that are great run defenders up the middle for the 49ers. Uh, you know, they were kind of struggling to stop the run, but D'Amico Ryans has made some adjustments uh, since then, and they're now back down to allowing just under, um, you know, 100 yards, uh, you know, per game on the ground. And so, yeah, if, if the Cardinals game plan is to want to run the football against the 49ers defense, they might find that that may be a little difficult. Another thing I will mention is that, the 49ers defense in the first half, or at least maybe in the first quarter, it seems that they kind of get a feel for the game and what their mm -hmm. opponents are wanting to do. And so you might see an early score or something like that. We've seen that in the last few games. But the second half adjustments that D'Amico Ryans and this defense has been able to make have made all the difference. Um, and so uh, I think that could be a factor in this one as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely think that the 49ers secondary, uh, you know, should should be able to have an advantage against uh, the Cardinals receiving group because, you know, it's just been so depleted with injuries. I mean, I think just before we went live, we, we saw that DeAndre Hopkins dealing with a hamstring injury now. I mean, yeah, so yeah, not great. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's one of the things, at least, that's been fascinating has been it seems this is just one of those types of seasons where everything kind of goes wrong at once for one position group in particular. Uh, I know that at the start of the season, we're like, all right, we're keeping our same 5-0 line from last year, and then we lose all three of our starting offensive linemen, two of them after, I think, week four. The backup center gets benched. Then they've got a backup offensive guard slash center. He gets hurt. So then they ended up with a sixth-round rookie last week making his first start against Aaron Donald, and that's been kind of the story of the season. Their left tackle, DJ Humphreys, um, there's still been questions at least about if he's going to play this week or not. They do have a decent backup in 
Josh Jones, who's kind of being primed to be the right tackle of the future. But as far as matchups go there, yeah, it's going to be kind of good luck to the Rook because of how that defense will go. I think a lot of it's going to come down at least to seeing the at least the health of, you know, Hopkins didn't practice on Thursday. Do we see him go on Friday, um, considering the fact that usually you wait a day when there's a Monday night game, getting a little bit of extra rest has helped. Uh, you also can at least know that they did seem to have practicing in full from what it looks like. Maybe we'll find out more tomorrow. Hollywood Brown. Um, we've not been able to see Brown and Hopkins on the field at the same time. We have finally started to see them take Rondale Moore, who last year was he was kind of there. I guess you could put it as uh, almost a mini version, ultimately, of uh, the guy that the Niners already have on the roster in Debo Samuel. But we're talking mini like 5'7", 180 pounds. So it's like very, very miniature. He didn't go upfield as much. They finally have been moving him a bit more upfield in the past few weeks, getting him some space. Last week, he had a deep catch on fourth and three. So if they have all three of those receivers back, I think that's going to be very interesting to see the matchups because, like you said, Brown's been hurting. Ertz is out. Hopkins has had injuries. A.J. Green, I think, has had two catches in maybe the last four weeks. And really, a lot's going to be hanging on that second-round rookie, Trey McBride. I think there's a lot on the Niners' side hanging on second-round pick Drake Jackson. Has he been playing the past few weeks, at least, as far as going and who's the person rushing across from Nick Bosa on the other side who might play against, I should say, the either the right tackle, Kelvin Beecham, or maybe either Josh Jones or DJ Hump? Well, it's usually Samson Ebukam, uh, but Ebukam has been dealing with an injury himself, so he actually did not play last week, and so we did see Drake Jackson get a few extra snaps, and, you know, quite honestly, he's someone who has impressed me in his limited time uh, with the team. I mean, he's very aggressive. Uh, he uses his hands a lot, so, I mean, if Kyler Murray's out there, I know I'm going to make a short Kyler Murray joke. You know, if <laughs> Drake Jackson puts his hands up, he might not be able to see his receiver. Sorry, I just had to get that one out. Hey, at least you're not making gamer references or something like that or talking about Call of Duty. So I might. There's still time. Season. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then Charles Amenahue is another guy, you know, who has stepped up. And, you know, the 49ers like to rotate some of their guys as well, so – uh, you know, we'll we'll see some other guys besides those two as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a very strong group of guys. And Nick Bosa likes to rush from either side. So whichever yeah. side he has an advantage on, that that's where he's going to rush from. For sure. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about with the Cardinals and their defense this year, which we didn't expect to talk about them as much as I think we have. They do obviously have guys like J.J. Watt there. Chandler Jones leaves the team in the offseason, their all-time sack leader. Uh, he's gone on to not really produce in Oakland. He's allowed a half a sack through this entire season so far. Um, they've had a couple of younger pass rushers who've had to step up. Marcus Golden's been ailing a bit. He's at 30, been one of their longtime rushers. More of an effort type of guy. You'd love him as like your number two kind of pass rusher. So they've had basically two draft picks, at least the kind of faster my Jay Sanders and maybe the more your traditional guy in Cam Thomas have been getting more snaps from that end. But really the story of it is it's JJ Watt and it's them being able to bring pressure with the blitz. And I think the only way the Cardinals have really succeeded this year is that with some of those pressures, they've done a great job of at least their defensive coordinator taking away the number one option for a team. You can look at, they took away Devontae Adams, two catches, 22 yards in week two. They've taken away Cooper Cup twice. I think he had one of his lowest yardage outputs in, I think it was week four with four catches for 44 yards. But then you'll see this being 
almost consistently inconsistent defense where they'll grab a pick six and you'll just be like, wow, that's great. And then the next drive, they'll give up a 12 play drive, give up two third and five conversions and not really be able to finish the sack and ultimately then give up a touchdown. I think that the defense has been built more on takeaways, getting big plays and sacks and being comfortable about sometimes a guy will make a play on the ball. And the Niners, it feels like, are the opposite type of a defense where you're looking at having a Fred Warner be kind of that middle of the field enforcer, as well as trying to basically make sure that you can, you know, get those pass breakups, more limit, make sure that teams can't pick up some of those. It's very interesting, at least, to see for the most part. Um, how do you feel as far as with the Cardinals with looking at that matchup? Byron Murphy is still ailing. He didn't practice. He is having a career year. They actually got a good game last week out of um, the number two corner. And really what they've done, though, the story of the season has been they've took Isaiah Simmons. He's been playing the slot corner as much as he's played linebacker. And he can keep up with slot guys. Like even if you're a 4-3 guy, he can run keeping up with you down the seam. That's going to be a tougher challenge this week considering that you've got not just slot guys, Jermon Jennings or Debo and Brandon Ayuk, but you got another big receiver in the middle of the field, and his name is George Kittle. And we've had seen Buda Baker on him at times. We had a pass breakup, and we've seen George Kittle just kind of shove a 5'9 Buda right down into the dirt in a few other games as well. How do you feel like the Cardinals match up at least as far as with, you know, the J.J. Watts, some of this blitz-heavy approach? Do you think that the Niners have the advantage here with all those weapons, or could Arizona potentially try to take away some of those guys that Jimmy Garoppolo could look toward and get pressure on him to maybe force a pick, force a turnover, as Jimmy's been known to do from time to time? Um, You know, I do feel like the 49ers do have an advantage here. Now, like whether Jimmy Garoppolo throws a pick or not, I mean, that's that's always a possibility in every game, right? But I do feel like this is the type of game that he can shine in. And, you know, Garoppolo's career stats against the Cardinals have, have shown that he, he actually plays pretty good against them. Historically, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, um, 1,590 passing yards. So that's an average of about 318 passing yards per game against Mm -hmm. the Cardinals. Um, And, you know, I, I looked at some of the rankings that, that the Cardinals have and, they're 32nd in allowed yards after catch per reception. Yep. And you you think about what the 49ers like to do on offense, a lot of yards after the catch, and pretty much everyone on that offense can contribute in that way. And so, you know, that's the advantage that I see that I think that's kind of the low-hanging fruit for the 49ers to kind of attack that. Um, and then also like 30th in opponent completion percentage, uh, 28th in opponent first downs per game, 28th in red zone defense. So, you know, there's definitely an opportunity for the 49ers offense to continue, you know, doing what they've been doing and, you know, kind of get everyone involved. George Kittle actually has been kind of quiet the last few weeks, but this could potentially be um, a game where he gets reinvolved. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I know you mentioned him, and he's kind of been a model of consistency for this team in the last few weeks. Um, in the last four games, he's had uh, at least 80 yards and at least six receptions. So I don't know if the Cardinals see him as the wide receiver one that they would like to shut Mm. down but if I'm the Cardinals that's the guy I would put my focus on um Debo Samuel 
you know, he still can do a little bit of everything as well, but I think his strengths are more so in the wide back role. Uh, mm-hmm. Just last week against the Chargers, Debo had uh, two recep- receptions for 24 yards, so a little quieter for him as well, uh, but he had also the four carries for 27 yards. So, you know, I I think there's an opportunity for, you know, uh, the yards after the catch to be an issue for the Cardinals defense. And that's something the 49ers will want to exploit. Absolutely. Arizona's also been outside of Rondale Moore. They've been one of the worst teams at getting yards after catch. Um, They have at least been able to have a decent running game, but their lead rusher this year is Kyler Murray and he's not likely to play. Last week we saw them throw the ball a bunch and then kind of run it with James Conner to win. There's two areas, I think, at least that I've seen, and one of the most interesting one is how the Niners have been, as far as giving up points per game, uh, they've been essentially a top five. They have given up only about 18 or so points per game. Cardinals defense, on the other hand, gives up the third worst in the league at 25, almost 26 points a game. Some of that due to offensive errors, some of that just to, like you said, not being able to really pull forward the Niners on the other hand when you're looking at the offense there's kind of an interesting gap and I think it was also like Rob Guerrero's mentioned it I saw it when watching some of the Niners tape to prep which is the red zone the 49ers have been exceptional at being able to get yards on the ground getting yards through the air but they actually are worse in the red zone at getting points overall than the Cardinals are the Cardinals get about 23 points a game Niners get 22 points a game now 22 points doesn't matter if you're holding teams to you know under 20 a game but it really feels like that that's one of the areas is that the Cardinals are going to win. They've got James Conner, who's been a really good red zone threat, DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to have to be able to move the ball to get into the red zone and then be able to score points to make it count. Whereas I think the Niners would probably have the same way for the most part. You'd say if both of these teams have struggled to kind of punch it in when it's counted. One of the worst, I think, um, errors that we saw for the Cardinals were about to go and take a lead on the Vikings. Their center snaps the ball over Kyler Murray's head. I think that people said if Kyler Murray was 6'3", he still wouldn't have caught that. So he's, of course, not going to catch it at you know 5'9", 5'10". Those have been kind of some of the areas that the Cardinals have struggled with as far as for penalties, getting behind the sticks. It feels like the Niners have had some of that too, but Arizona, just the penalties have been one of the areas that I think has been super heavy. I think that in order for Arizona to win, we can start talking about what some of the keys to victory are. I think that they're first and foremost going to have to win the turnover battle because that's one of the cases of if you lose the turnover battle, you're going to lose against this Niners team. Like the defense is too good. The running game is too good. You'll have to find a way to be able to win the turnover battle. And that was what they did last year in San Francisco. They forced a George Kittle fumble. Brandon Ayuk caught the ball, hit times perfectly. They get a 14-0 lead um, going in, and that really essentially dictated a lot of the game. What were some other keys to victory that you would say as far as that the Cardinals could take advantage of? And then we'll talk about what the Niners would want to do. Um, I mean, I, I think for the Cardinals, it it's tough for me to give them some hints, but I'm assuming they won't listen or, you know, hopefully they don't listen <laughs> to, to my advice here. But I would say, you know, you want to maybe attack Diamador Lenore, Charvarius Ward has been phenomenal this season as our CB1, but ever since Emmanuel Mosley went down, you know, mm-hmm. Diamador Lenore has been that guy on the other end who is going to see more of the targets because, you know, Charvarius Ward's just been so good. So just by default, he's, he's going to get targeted more uh, and get tested a little bit. And so 
I, if I'm the Cardinals, I would test him and, and see what he has. He has been improving. So I'll say that. And it looks like he's gaining some confidence, but still, I, I would just see what he has. Jimmy Ward as well has been playing in the nickel, uh, actually. And, you know, he hasn't been too pleased about playing there. He's not terrible at it, but he's also not his, you know, number one strength, which is playing safety. And so, you know, I, I would see what you could get away with uh, going up against Jimmy Ward. And then, uh, you know, it has seemed like in the last few games, the 49ers have improved their run defense, um, you know, up the middle at least and, and clogging that. But, you know, I would see if maybe it was just one of those few games, these last games against the Rams and who quite frankly don't have a run game and hmm. uh you know yeah. against the chargers and now no nuker no cooper cups i'm like i, I don't even know <laughs> if they have anymore like oh. yeah so i i would see if you can maybe get some runs uh up the middle and and see what you could do there um but on the 49ers side you know you you mentioned that the cardinals have to try to get the ball get, produce some takeaways and from my end, like the 49ers, I feel like they need to take care of the football because I, I looked at some of the rankings for the Cardinals and they rank 11th in takeaways per game. Mm -hmm. uh, San Francisco, on the other hand, is 19th. Uh, and Arizona is third in opponent fumbles per game. You mentioned, you know, the last time they played, you know, being able to force those fumbles. And so I think it's going to be really important for the 49ers to take care of the football. And, you know, also, as I mentioned, take advantage of, Arizona's secondary and their vulnerability to yak. Yep. No, I think that's at least good. The three uh, kind of takeaways I have, at least for Arizona, is the same as last week. They have to get the ball out quick because this is a ferocious defensive line. You're also walking, talking about, of course, Fred Warner on the field, Traverius Ward playing. It's going to be difficult to be able to move, so you have to find those matchups. But either way, you've got to get the ball out quick to make sure that you can at least keep your quarterback upright. The Cardinals previously had, had Kyler Murray hang on and run around for different points or some big plays. You know, sometimes you'll take a sack there. Other times, you know, he ends up sprinting for 20 yards down the field on third and 17. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think that's the biggest thing is that they'll have to repeat last week's game plan. But the Niners now can see that week's game plan. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust. I think that Fred Warner is going to be a definite factor there. Just like how in the Cardinals, their linebackers will be a huge factor. We talked about scoring in the red zone and then takeaways. Here's what I have, at least for San Francisco. Uh, we've talked about Kyler Murray, the height, the gaming you can't talk about Jimmy Garoppolo without talking about how handsome he is. Like, that's just like one of the things that comes up at least is just, you know, he has a Subway commercial. It's like, I haven't eaten Subway in years, but like, I feel tempted to order an Italiano, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, he's got that whole thing going for him. I think my number one takeaway I have for the Niners to win is just keep Jimmy handsome. You don't want to let him take hits. You don't want to let him, you know, basically feel under pressure all the time. That means you're going to have to run the ball well. You're going to have to make sure that you're not getting the Niners into third and longs. We would see sometimes, hey, here's the Niners. They had to run for first down on second down. And oh, uh oh, there was a holding call. They're back at seven and 25. Someone goes at, or I think, seven, second and 20, I think it was someone's able to kind of go and stop them there at one yard gain. Suddenly you're at Jimmy in third and 19. That's not a place you want your quarterback to be no matter what. What are some of the other types of takeaways you'd have for the three keys to have the Niners be able to come away at the win here in Mexico? I, I will mention one overlooked um, thing, and we haven't mentioned it yet. The fact that this game is played in high altitude and the mm. fact that the 49ers are currently in Colorado, uh, to better acclimate themselves 
you know, to that adjustment and hopefully be able to, you know, not be too winded uh, playing in Mexico City. I absolutely think that will be a factor in this game. And I, I think the 49ers have the advantage there because to my knowledge, the Cardinals aren't doing anything in regards to prepare for that. No, yeah, that's a good point, at least. Yeah, Arizona looked at going to a few different places or going early and end of the day. What it feels like the decision that they made was we're going to stay here. And I think a lot of that had to do just with the amount of injuries and player health that they had of trying to get an extra day or two of rehab. Their owner at least does fly the team plane like he's like a licensed pilot. So there's no issues about with getting people down there a little bit late since he can always just send the team plan ahead. I'll go and bring Buda Baker along with me later. Um, I got a few other things. One of them that I have that's a big thing. We talked about the tight end, George Kittle, him being a little quiet. The Cardinals have done a great job of limiting wide receivers this year, better than most any team, but that's meant that they've been open to tight ends. And that's one of the areas of, like you said, the Cardinals have struggled with yards after the catch, with tackling, with screen passes to running backs. They've also struggled, at least you can see in the Seahawks game, they had a tight end just on a simple little bootleg, had about a 50-yard run that essentially ended the game for Arizona. It was one of those things where the Seahawks were like, all right, we need to go and win this game now. They ran one bootleg, two bootleg, three bootlegs, and suddenly they're at the two-yard line. And you're just like, okay, like this is something we've seen since Van Joseph came into the Cardinals of how they struggle with each of these areas and containing. I think that that's a huge one, at least, of, you know, if the Cardinals want to make Jimmy beat you, you want to make sure that you're getting yards after catch. You're having George Kittle at least get those targets because we've seen, at least, that the Cardinals have had struggles. The last one that I know, at least, is three and outs. The Cardinals have been a team that when they're on schedule, they've been great. Like if you're on the ground, you run the ball, you throw a pass, you're in second and five, you go ahead and get there into third and one. And also like, oh, great. You got James Conner back there. And let's say you got Kyler Murray back there. You try to stop one of those guys. You can convert on third down. You can convert on fourth. Cardinals have been pretty aggressive on fourth down. But if they end up having errors or penalties or end up in these third and long situations, then often it comes down to Kyler Murray usually having to run to get the first down, and more often than not, it's turned into three-and-out punt, three-and-out punt for multiple times in a row. So it's almost like if you go three-and-out with the Cardinals and you kind of get stuck in that loop, it's kind of a loop of death, at least. We've seen other teams then just come back in, drive down, get a score. Arizona suddenly is dropping back a whole bunch of times. If the Niners can force a couple of three-and-outs and get Arizona off schedule – I think that's a really huge key for the game. And unfortunately for Arizona, this is a pretty good defense, at least, that they'd have to go up against that can force some of those three and outs. Yeah, in the last few games, they've improved. The 49ers defense have has improved in that aspect. But in some of their worst games, it was because they couldn't get off the field on third down and mm. either because they'd commit a penalty, which, again, they've cleaned that up as well since then. But you know, just something to to think about if you're the Cardinals, definitely want to get the 49ers defense into, you know, one of those situations. Definitely trying to get to the third and short and, and see if, you know, you can be able to convert because, yeah, that, that has been an issue earlier in the season for the 49ers defense. Mm, for sure. Uh, one last thing before we kind of go into more of our um, 
essentially our X factors for the game. Uh, Cardinals have a new tight end starting as well. We mentioned the Zach Ertz injury. Trey McBride, overall the second round pick for them. He's had a lot of struggles overall this year. He was the first tight end taken. He was a surprise pick to a lot of people. Um, we know the Cardinals were probably looking more at getting a center if they could have one due to the status of Rodney Hudson, who, uh, poor guy, at least comes back, it seems like, because they had no other choice. And now it seems like he's just on IR, out for a few more games. I know that the they just placed him, at least, on IR. They wanted him to get back. Feels like he's probably going to have his last time, not just as a Cardinal, but probably in the NFL, given that his body just doesn't seem to be holding out as well. Same would go at least with the Niners. Alex Mack goes and retires, has a similar type of area, and so you end up looking now at some of these younger players having to step up. And McBride has said essentially every single week he's had either a penalty, like a legal blocking downfield, a false start. It's been a lot of interesting issues, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets used or if Cliff Kingsbury goes back to you know, 2019-2020 Cliff and just starts putting four or five wide receivers on the field and then, you know, you have a tight end come on occasionally. So that'll be something I think at least to see because, you know, I think that the biggest takeaway that I have from talking to you is target that second cornerback for the most part, whereas I think the Niners, it's just play a consistent game where you're not the ones beating yourselves. And it feels like this is definitely an advantage for a San Francisco team. It's also going to be almost a home game for them. I think it's an 82 something type of a sellout with fans have had and, We've talked about with Cardinals fans. We've got one group of people flying down, but that's kind of it. It's going to essentially be a home road game for the Cardinals down in Mexico City. Yeah, uh, and yeah, these 49er fans love to travel, and and I know <laughs> there's going to be a ton of fans there. So, yeah, I, I think that you know that's another aspect that will be an advantage to to the 49ers and. You know, as far as like some X factors, I, I definitely think Jimmy Garoppolo could be one of those guys. I mean, he's been pretty efficient. He he's been pretty sharp for his standards. You know, um, he's playing some good football uh, right now, and I, I think that should continue against this Arizona defense and George mm. Kittle, another guy that you mentioned. Since the the Cardinals' defense are a little uh, susceptible to you know, tight ends. I, I think this is an opportunity for the 49ers to get Kittle back involved and in, into their game plan and, and create some mismatches there and try to get him some, some yak and also Christian McCaffrey. But I think mostly Christian McCaffrey, you know, catching passes out of the backfield, I think is going to be a huge thing in this game again for, for the yak factor, but also because, you know, he's just so elusive and can mm-hmm. force guys to miss. Um, and so getting him in space uh, is going to be really key. Yeah, I don't know how much as far as the draft capital. I understand the Niners are going for it. I think it's been weird in one way to see give up the draft capital and suddenly Eli Mitchell, who's probably another you know running back one on the team, gets a ton of carries. But as far as the wear and tear, the injuries, to me at least it makes sense. It'll be fascinating to see as the season comes down to a close and especially the playoffs as to if that's going to be kind of where the – Um, McCaffrey gets more unleashed I've got for my X factor I think it's probably going to be whoever's going to be the because we can talk about line we can talk about player on the defense at least I think that you could look at maybe a pair of players one would be J.J. Watt if J.J. Watt is able to go off get some actual like uh, attempts back down a few passes that may be a huge thing as far as being able to turn the tide because we know Nick Bosa is going to make plays on the other side but I think the wide receiver two spot for Arizona is another one to look at because They've had a rotating, like, it's been like a turnstile where 
you know, AJ Green, he came back for this year. The Cardinals probably shouldn't have brought him back. Um, they've called if there's the brave little toaster, I've called AJ Green the brave little toasted. Um, he's still going out there. He's still like doing stuff, but you can tell like he's just done. He has two catches last week, uses some great body control, one on the fourth down play and then one in the red zone. But before that, it had been essentially like, you know, two catches for seven yards, zero catches for no yards. And it was only two for 10 against the Rams. Uh, Robbie Anderson's the guy they traded for to kind of fill some of that spot while Hollywood Brown was out or if he was out for the season. Currently, he has seven targets, one catch, and he's got negative four yards. So you're talking about a guy that since you added has reduced the amount of receiving yards to your team. He's had at least two critical drops, and it just feels like that the team really is missing the likes of a Hollywood Brown or someone who can play outside, unlike the 5'7", Rondale Moore. So those are kind of the X factors, I think, because like we said, maybe Hopkins is able to do well against Ward because it's really difficult to stop him. But I think that the bigger approach will be trying to get that second receiver involved. That will pull away some coverage from Hopkins. And if the Cardinals are able to throw the ball a bit, then perhaps that could be a little bit more of the run game could maybe find just a little push. It's going to be hard to see that, though, against this Niners front. But I think that's one of the biggest things. If you're going to have an X factor for this game, it's probably going to have to be relying on that offense and those playmakers making plays. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned J.J. Watt and, you know, I – I'm surprised I didn't mention Mike McGlinchey because mm. when I say X factor, I would say he's an X factor in some somewhat of a bad way because he's been struggling as of late. He, he's he been the topic of much discussion around, you know, 49er fans lately. And, you know, I, I think JJ Watt still has it right. So that could potentially be, you know, an impact in this game. And, and so I'm a little worried about that. And you also mentioned the batted down, uh, you know, if he can bat down some passes, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the last time I checked, and I wish I had the numbers up right now, I was trying to pull it up really quick. Oh, he, yeah. Okay. I just saw it. 11 passes batted down this season, Mm. um, which I'm not sure how, how that compares, but uh, you know, it is quite a bit. And, and so he is susceptible to having his passes batted down at the line. And so that is a concern of mine as well as, you know, cause that could lead to interceptions. Uh, so something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. The, the one thing I think I'll also say about with JJ Watt is, you know, he's having a decent season. He's probably got about five and a half sacks or so right now, but Nick Bosa has more sacks than like the top two Cardinals pass rushers combined. To me, that means that that's going to have to be one of your guys if you're talking about taking away like the best weapon on, you know, the defensive side for a team like the, um, you know, Cardinals. Cardinals to do. You're going to have to talk about trying to figure out a way to take off away Nick Bosa, and he's just been playing so well this year. Let's get into score predictions. Now, a little spoiler alert here. I will pick both for and against the Cardinals, depending on the team. Last week, I picked the Rams to slightly win, but looking at some of the stats, it probably was the most winnable game, and I made my prediction before I knew that they were going to be starting their backup quarterbacks. Then it was, all right, you better win this type of a game. What is your score prediction for the game? Is this going to be a Niners win? Is this a a game where the Cardinals could upset, or is it going to be more of a close matchup down the stretch? Um, I'm predicting a Niners win and, and my score prediction would be 26, 13. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the 49ers they've been, they've been trending towards a direction of being able to, you know, score more points as of late. And so I think they keep that trend going and I think they have a little more success in the red zone this week than they have in, in weeks past. And on the other end, you know, I think, uh, 
yeah, like I mentioned, they, the 49ers defense might give up an early score or so, but after that, you know, after halftime, I completely expect them to put the clamps down and I, I think it'll be a pretty low scoring game for the Cardinals, especially, you know, if, you know, some of those injuries to their receivers, if some of those guys are out. Yeah, no, I think that this is a sign where I look at last year for the Cardinals. And it's, it's funny you mentioned like that the Niners may give up a score early because guess what has not been the Cardinals strong suit this year. They have only scored one touchdown in the first quarter in the entire season on their opening drive. They've been more of a second half team. The Niners have also made some good second half adjustments. I'd like to say that this could be more of a Niners win at 24 to 20 as far as it goes. But since it leans toward Colt McCoy starting, I just look at last year where you could see McCoy go out, beats the Seahawks at least, is able to go out and be prep prepared. He does beat the Niners also in that three-game stretch. But you look at the in-between game against a really good Panthers defense. They had Cam Newton running the ball, also had Christian McCaffrey. And they won that game 34 to 10. So I'm thinking this may be one of those games where perhaps the Cardinals are able to get some points late. But I have this as a 34 to 20 type of game where maybe there's some positive for Arizona, but it would not ultimately shock me if this turns into a big Niners win. If the Cardinals do go out and win, it'll be because they essentially played one of those flawless games where they had hardly any penalties, forced two turnovers, just like they did before. I think that's their best bet if they're going to go through. I just don't know if I have a lot of confidence considering that Colt McCoy ultimately is, while he's been able to do great in relief of Kyler Murray for a game or two, there's other times it reminds you why Colt McCoy is you know, not necessarily a Geno Smith type of backup or starter in the league. So that's what I have for the score prediction. Do you think that the Cardinals have any shot in this game if they're going to go through? Or are we going to be sitting here talking about this you know, a week from now saying this game turned out exactly as I thought? Cardinals couldn't score early. Niners went and got up. They let Arizona back in, then just pushed it away with a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns to end it. I mean, the... The 49ers have lost some uncharacteristic weird games. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I nothing would surprise me at, at the same time, but I, I would be pretty disappointed if they did lose uh, to Arizona. And, yeah, anything is possible, but yeah. I'm expecting a, a 49ers win. Yeah, I think the, if you look at some of the games they lost this year, you look at the Broncos having, like, the number one defense. That was a low-scoring game. And the Falcons on offense have actually been surprisingly productive. They've been able to run the ball. Um, I think that's the only difference, though, between the two that I can see. Sometimes it's like we said, if the Niners are the ones beating themselves, that's where I think they give the other team a chance. It just feels like this Arizona team is at least on a bit lower level. And while it was nice to see them get back in the win column last week, it was against a Rams team that is probably one of the worst teams in a long time, at least. So, uh, hey, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Appreciate you taking your time for the most part, at least on Thursday night. This should be out tomorrow morning, at least for those listening in. Uh, I don't know if you have any type of either following a Twitter area or just a podcast stuff. Anything you want to do to either plug yourself or anything like mostly it's Cardinals fans. But when we look to pay attention to other teams or find people to follow, I follow people from all across the league because I just don't want to stay in a bubble. Like I want to be able to know little things like, Hey, this is what Jimmy's struggling with this year. Here's the player you can look at. I knew at least like, Hey, play Christian McCaffrey. Cause he's going to go off against that Chargers run defense. And we saw exactly that with like 153 yards. It's always good to be able to follow. So yeah, go ahead and plug yourself or your content or anything else like that you have. 
Right on. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. It It is also nice for me to be able to like talk to fans of other teams and, you know, keep it cordial and neutral and, and objective. Uh, so you guys can find me on Twitter and YouTube under the username Steph49K. That is Steph with a PH, by the way. Not there a PhD, but just a PH. Uh, 49K. And uh, my podcast is 49 carats podcast you can find that anywhere you get your podcast awesome that's great yep no i'm following as well make sure you guys can at least follow steph and some of that work for the most part cardinals fan or not this has been the revenge of the birds podcast we'll catch you guys after monday night down in the mexico city game hopefully it's a fun one take care and go cards Stop the recording and we should be good. Thanks again so much for joining.